A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown! 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 Georgia! Now, here are your host, two-time All-American punter, Drew Butler. Drew Butler, leader in the country in punts 49-plus. See if he booms this one. He does. Wow! And Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and SEC championship winning quarterback, Jake Fromm. Clean Flicker to get the night started. Downfield looking for With the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Dogs are winners. A national championship for a new generation of Bulldogs. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome to the Fun Impasse Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler. Join alongside my co-host, Jake From. Be sure to follow us on social media, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake, puntandpass.com, the number one destination for all things college football. Week four of the college football season is in the books, Jake. It was a wild one. It was one that was highly anticipated. The most unbeaten ranked matchups in a regular season since 2015. We had anticipated that it would have some implications later on in the season. And I think it lived up to the billing. We're going to break down all the games, everything that happened. Uh, but first and foremost, how are you, brother? Yeah, man, doing great. Um, had a good weekend. Uh, college football was as advertised, man. It was it was the hype that it was hyped up to be. Had a lot of good games and a lot of exciting stuff. So ready to recap it here with you. No doubt. Also, something that's hype and that lives up to the hype is Solomon Brothers Jewelers. That's who this podcast is presented to you by. That's right. Family owned and operated since 1982. Solomon Brothers has the largest diamond and jewelry inventory in the Southeast. And the store is for anyone with any budget. It gets better. If you mention Punt and Pass or myself or Jake, you can get 10% off your jewelry purchase. Two amazing locations, one in North Metro Atlanta in Alpharetta, just past the Avalon, the other, the famous location, 17th floor tower place in Buckhead. The holidays will be here before you know it. If you're planning on getting engaged, if you're in the doghouse and you need to get out, head on over to Solomon Brothers. Mention Punt and Pass or myself. And Jake, you can get 10% off your jewelry. Purchase the biggest selection, the best quality, the lowest prices, and an in-store experience that is totally unmatched. That's Solomon Brothers at Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter, SolomonBrothers.com. Where should we start? Because... If we go chronologically, the crazy game at noon on Saturday was Florida State-Clemson. This line stunk to high heavens, and it kept getting lower and lower before kickoff. I think at kickoff, Florida State was just a a one-and-a-half-point favorite, which told you a lot of people were liking Clemson at home. Florida State hadn't beaten them in Death Valley, I think, since 2013. But that streak is snapped. Florida State wins in overtime. 
31 to 24 spirited effort from Dabo Sweeney and those Clemson Tigers. Uh, it was a heartbreaker. Dude, it was, it, it was, man. If I'm a Clemson person and a Clemson fan, I am so heartbreaking because the game was there to have an opportunity to win. Yeah. You had a chance to have a chance, um, and they didn't really capalize. Uh, you gave up a strap, uh, a strip sack fumble there return for them to for tie a touchdown. Up. Yep, for them yeah. to, to return it back and tie the game up. Uh, but then late in the game, I thought there was a mishandling of the clock and the opportunities there. Like they they handed the ball off with I don't know twenty ish something seconds to go, and then get a big chunk on that run play, and then they just say that's end of regulation, not going to go spike the ball, and then have a chance at a hail mary or a, another quick completion to then try to kick. I guess they just after missing a field goal uh, late in the fourth quarter, they just yep. decided, hey, we're just not trying to kick anymore. I don't know, uh, but we had mentioned it on the pod that the kicker was probably going to bite them in the rear end. And it, and it ultimately did because if they hit that field goal with, I don't know, three, four minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, arguably they have a chance to win that football game. So yeah, absolutely. That's Jonathan, that's tough for it to come down to that. Jonathan Weiss, a fifth year kicker who was done playing football. I believe he was living in Charleston, South Carolina. Dabo Sweeney's sons are the holders on the football team. They were having kicking issues. We mentioned this on last week's podcast. They said, hey, Jonathan still has eligibility. So Dabo literally called the guy who was not playing football and said, would you like to come back out and be our kicker? I give credit to Dabo. He said it in the media before the game. This will either be a great story or it will be terrible. Uh, I don't think it, I think it was more of a great story than it was terrible. I know he missed that kick. It's not like he shanked it. It was right over no. the upright, uh, kind of ambiguous, ambiguous for the referee underneath the upright to make the decision. But uh, it came down to the kick late. You mentioned it. Will Shipley, like on a delayed draw, he got a first down, like around maybe the minus 45. And there was like 12, yeah. 15 seconds left. I thought they were going to go clock it, do oh, one yeah. play. You know, try to do a deep out towards the sideline, get out of balance, set up another kicking opportunity, but they didn't. And there was just a lot of confusion there, which was, was really weird late in the game like that. I want to ask you about the strip sack fumble return for a touchdown. Cade Klubnik gets absolutely drilled, doesn't see the safety blitz coming. He goes down, the ball goes out. Cade Klubnik gets back up and literally yeah. beats the dude to the goal line. Yeah. He didn't have a chance to tackle him, but I, 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 I was highly impressed by that. I gained a lot of respect for Cade Clubbing. That dude's a baller. Yeah, I agree with you on that 100%. Like, respect gets earned there from us, but really, more importantly, from the guys he's playing with. The guys in the locker room, when they see that uh, guy trying to finish a play and straying towards the end zone, doesn't matter what the outcome is. Um, man, if I'm in that locker room, respect points are earned on that one. Um, and then hopefully, man, they have a chance to turn things around, but it's weird seeing Clemson at two and two such early in the season. Uh, two and two and zero oh and two in the ACC, literally at yeah. the bottom of the conference standings. Keep in mind, this year in the ACC, it's just the top two teams. There's no more divisions in the ACC currently. So at the top of the ACC, there's two teams that are both two and zero. Oh, Florida State, of course, Louisville right behind them at two and zero. Oh. Then Duke's ranked seventeenth. North Carolina is ranked fifteenth. Miami hasn't started ACC play yet. But they're ranked 18th. So the ACC is going to get pretty interesting here. A huge win for Florida yeah. State. I thought Jordan Travis showed a lot of moxie as well. Um, what to make of Clemson? I mean, two ACC losses. It's kind of like the season, unless some true pandemonium happens, the season's 
pretty much not going to go the way that Clemson wanted to in 2023. Yeah, I agree. Let's get some props to the Florida State. Dude, they have some receivers oh, yeah. on that team. Man, number four goes up and just snags one in overtime to seal it and to finish it off. So that was a hell of a catch. Some, they got some dudes. Yeah. They 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 got some dudes. Um I think if they just keep on keeping on, they'll be they'll be all right and they'll have a chance to be right where they want to be at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean their next games Florida State home versus Virginia Tech, home versus Syracuse, home versus Duke. So they're gonna be right there Number in one. that top five. Yeah. That Duke game will be really interesting. Uh, October 21st, the kickoff time has not yet been set. But a great game in the ACC. I thought that one certainly lived up to the billing. Big shout-out to Sean McDonough and Greg McElroy. I thought they were awesome on the call. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, okay, we're going to go chronologically here. So the Let's 3.30 game. Yeah. And the 3.30 game, Oregon, Colorado to start. You know, now I'm 0-4. I'm 0-4 <laughs> in my predictions for Colorado. I just I, – I will be out there with that, okay? I said they'd get smoked week one. They won. Um, I said – what was week two? Week two was the Nebraska game. I said Nebraska mm-hmm. will keep it close. Uh, they blew them out in the second half. Um, yeah. uh, last week, I was like, Colorado oh, State. my gosh, they're going to beat Colorado State, lay the points. They win in overtime. And then this week, I was like, they're going to score points. Give me the 21. Uh, I, I lost that as well. 42-6. to six. Oregon Yikes. lays it on Colorado. Now, before kickoff, some things were leaking on social media, as is now the norm with Colorado. But Dan Lanning. Uh, Chirping? I mean, I don't even think it's chirping, Jake. You can talk to this. This is just what happens in football. You know, you're going to say things to get your team excited. You're going to say things to, you know, amp up the level in the room. And Dan Lanning was caught saying, they, Colorado, fight for clicks. We fight for wins. Let's go out there and lay it on them. And, you know, credit to Oregon, Bo Nix. This is a team right here now. You're going to have to keep your eyes on the Oregon Ducks for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously it worked because the Ducks came out swinging. Colorado came out flat, and they just seized on that opportunity, got up quick, 13 points in the first quarter, and then 22 points Ooh, in the second quarter. 35 nothing. and I mean, a half. I mean, that is a tough, tough deficit to overcome. It uh, doesn't matter who you are. So they had a great plan, and they executed on that plan uh, with some quick scores. And then, more importantly, just stops on defense. Just never looked like Colorado – was comfortable on offense. Shador just didn't have the time that he had. Maybe missing Travis Hunter as well, a guy who could get open for him quickly. Um, but they definitely walked into a hostile environment and got caught with their pants down a little bit. Yeah, now everybody wants to say, you know, Colorado's a fluke, potential fraud. I'm like, listen, okay, even if they lose every game from here on out this season, it's still an unbelievable still story. Yeah. Um, I know Dion Shine is getting a little bit um, – a little bit overshadowed by Taylor Swift being at uh, the Chiefs game with <laughs> Travis Kelsey yesterday. But this, I don't want to say this was expected. Again, Oregon was 21-point favorites. You knew Colorado was going to have this letdown spot, but Oregon's going to yeah. be a team that's literally fighting for a college football playoff spot. Yeah, And we have been saying on this podcast, while the Colorado story is great and we're both big fans and believers, they're not going to the college football playoff this year. Um, so now how do they respond, Colorado that is, I believe they play USC this week, and USC's offense is electric. Now, I will say it would be it is going to be advantageous for them to be at home. Uh, this is a 10 a.m. local kick, so you're going to be mm. you know fighting the adversity right there. But that's exactly how they beat up on Nebraska at home. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Caleb Williams, USC, they're highly explosive, but 
Here's where we find out what Colorado is. It's this week after so. getting smoked, welcoming in USC. I wonder what happens. Yeah, I, I think it, football is football. You're going to get your butt kicked. You're going to get your butt handed to you sometimes. It's all about how you respond and what you do, right? And so this is an opportunity for them to respond in the right way uh, for Dion to rally his troops. And they have a tough, tough test uh, next week with USC. So it's a, it's a different matchup to me. I think I, I like this matchup a little bit better than, say, the Oregon matchup. Dan Lanning, defensive head coach. I mean, that's just that's just his, his M.O. of just stopping these, these offenses. Um, has some success there, obviously. But with USC, I think it's going to be more of a, a points-scored kind of battle. And I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, obviously, it being at home and the 10 a.m. kick, I, I think these are favorable things for Colorado, man. But it's all about waking up early and responding and starting off fast. Absolutely. They need to start off fast. It's exactly what Oregon did last week. Great job by Dan Laning. Again, great job by that defense. Bo Nix with a huge stat line himself. Three touchdowns, I think, only against one pick. And well over 300 yards, 276 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Oregon total, 522 yards. Colorado only 199 yards. Didn't even turn yeah, the I, ball over. They just couldn't I do move it. Yeah, that's crazy. I uh, do want to give a big shout out to Bo, man. I think Bo was just a, a great thing for him, being able to go out there, uh, play well. Uh, I think he's in a really, really great spot, and he'll have a chance to uh, get drafted, obviously, you know, pretty high this season um, after what he's doing, if he can keep this keep this up. So I know Auburn could use him right now. Oh, you know, I know. Could. We'll that get was, to that. Uh, yeah, that was a real we showing. We will get so. to that, uh, the Auburn-Texas A&M game. I saw a meme about Bo Nix's age over the weekend, and it made me laugh. It was kind of like how those Stetson memes were happening mm -hmm. last year. You know, Stetson's 25. Lamar Jackson's the same age. Lamar Jackson's been in the NFL for four years or whatever. Um, there was a great one about Bo Nix. He's in his sixth year, dude. The, the guy's been around the block. Um, yeah. And he's off to a great start. Almost 1,200 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, one interception through the first four games. So he's going to be right in that Heisman conversation yeah. as the season continues on. Uh, I also was starting to see like some holier-than-thou sports media folks like loosely tying Dan Lanning, running it up on Deion Sanders. is like a race thing. I, I literally almost threw my phone into my own face. That, that's how angry that made me. I was like, are we really getting this stupid? I'll say it's stupid. Arthur Lynch, former Georgia tight end, who I love. I mean, we don't necessarily see eye to eye from a political standpoint, but even he tweeted out, he was like, is nothing sacred anymore? Stop yeah. it. If we can't keep college football away from media folks trying to pit one of another against each other rather than just the teams we root for, holy cow. Drives me crazy. That's the that's the real clickbait in all of this. Oh my god. That, that, right. That's yes. playing for clicks. Yeah, you're exactly right. So a little Arthur Lynch shout out for everybody out there today. Artie, love you, brother. Um, the other 330 game, Alabama Ole Miss. I mean. Alabama 24 to 10 Ole Miss falls flat on their face. One of the ugliest first halves of football I've ever seen. Alabama was up seven to six at halftime. Uh, sorry, bad. they were down seven to six at halftime. Yeah. But Nick Saban shows Lane Kiffin again, once and for all, who's daddy. I think it was Peter Burns from SEC Network who had a great tweet. He was like, 
Why do you think it is every single year when Kiffin's about to face off against Saban, he starts chirping, he gets out there on social media, and Peter Burns said it puts him in a win-win situation. If he beats Saban, he overcame all that noise and he looks like a genius, and if he loses to Saban, he's kind of got that baking excuse to say, hey, I told you, or whatever, whatever that may be. Lane Kiffin has not figured out the solution to get past the boogeyman that is his former boss and Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, if all years to get over the hump, I thought this one was the the best and easiest opportunity ever. I mean, Alabama played Terry Bowl in the first half. It was bad. I was clicking back and forth. I had the the four screens of YouTube TV up. There you go. I had Oregon on one. I had the Alabama game on the other. So it just, I mean, I don't even know really what to say. I just it looked bad. They were playing at home, but. I guess they came out in the second half and got some things going, but just a missed opportunity, I would say, for Ole Miss. Just a, a big missed opportunity, and I think it's going to come back to bite them late in the year when they are uh, – they'll, they'll have a chance, I think, to get in the mix and maybe go in the SEC championship. Um, but I just, like you said, it comes down to these these early matchups early in the year when you don't necessarily know kind of what your team is and, and, and how good you can be, and it's just going to come back to bite them, I think. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, what it – I get if you watch the Alabama game, everybody understands just how inconsistent and uninspiring their offensive play is. They've yeah. continued to have the quarterback questions. Like, what is the solution there for the offensive coordinator? Is it bad O line play? Is it the lack of being able to run the football? Is it Jalen Milrow not completing high percentage throws? Uh, but for whatever reason, they're having issues that Alabama has not had at any point in recent history. And of course the person who's going to take the biggest blame is the quarterback and then the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I just, I think it's identity issues. I don't think they, they know what they are, or who they are. Uh, I don't think they can say they're a, a super physical football team. Cause they're not, I don't think they have the same dudes as receiver as they've had in years yeah. past. I mean, they, they got dudes. Yeah. But I mean, did you play dude, with Jermaine Burton? Uh, did you play with no, Jermaine Burton? No, 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 I did not. But um, I mean, when I was in college, I mean, the dudes they had then, they're so good. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. Devonta, Devonta Smith, Judy, Ruggs, Waddle. Waddle. I mean, dude, those, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're talking about some unreal talented guys. So, but that's just that's just part of it. And I, I don't know, the physicality, the discipline, I don't think is really there. It's just, it's just eerily weird, I think, um, from a, a Nick Saban coach football team, but they're going to find a way to to grind these out. It's not going to look pretty. Yeah, of course. But that's just that's Alabama's still going to Alabama, and they'll they'll be there. They'll be knocking at the door, yep. and they just have to beat LSU. And hey, look, Alabama's there. And then watch out, they get in the SEC championship. They figure it out for one game. That's I mean, I, you I could mean, not be more accurate. Do. You could not be more accurate with that statement. That is just what they do. And if they do figure out that that's the formula to muck these games up, get physical, try to run the ball, Jace McClellan had 107 yards. Yeah, they're going to be right there in the beginning of December. Their next games at Mississippi State, at Texas A&M, home versus Arkansas. And they also play Tennessee. So want to know in the conference, I don't think Mississippi State will sneak up on them. I don't think Texas A&M will get them. But I'm sure Jimbo will chirp saving before that game as well. But big win for Alabama, 24 to 10 yep. over Ole Miss. All right, the night game, which was one of the best games of the season, I would have to say. Ohio State 
Notre Dame. Notre Dame just snatching defeat out of the jaws mm. of victory. Could not believe the ending of this football game. Ohio State wins 17 to 14. Notre Dame had 10 people on the field for the final two plays of the game. And I just saw a statistic about the ratings. NBC Sports got its largest regular season college football audience in 30 years with Notre Dame and Ohio State. It averaged 10.5 million viewers, ranking as NBC Sports' second most watched regular season college football game ever behind Notre Dame and Florida State in 1993. That's incredible. That's big time. I mean, I'm just looking at the the overall team stats, team statistics. I mean, this is just an old school, even matched football game. Whoever had the ball last is going to have a chance to win. Notre Dame, 350 yards of offense. Ohio State, 360 yards of offense. Passing yards, Ohio State wins this one, 240 to 175. But then Notre Dame wins the rushing yards, 176 to 126. Yards per play were identical, basically at five and at 5.5. First down is basically the same. Third down efficiency, basically the same. I mean, this is just as even as it gets. Notre Dame only punted the ball twice. Ohio State punted the ball three times. Nobody had a turnover. I mean, this is just uh, an old school football game. 17 to 14. This is like an NFL old school. Oh, yeah. Coming down to what this was. The very last play with four minutes left. Notre Dame had first and 10. Um, and their win probability was 91% with four minutes left in the game. And then Ohio State gets the ball back, and they put together this drive, Jake, and penalties. Yeah. Uh, the fourth and 19, or was it a third and 19, where Kyle McCord threw it close to the goal line, clock was running. Ohio State gets up there, and when you watch the replay, this is the game-winning touchdown. When you watch the replay, you were almost like, wow, are they shifted all, all the way over to the field uh, side? I, I I said the same thing. when they, There was nobody when, there. When they played that over-the-top camera angle, I'm like, dude, there's that. why is that gap so big? It did, did not make any sense. And then you hear later, I the next morning, I get a uh, a text from father-in-law. Father, father-in-law says, Notre Dame only had 10 guys on the field the last two plays. Could not believe it. I watched the whole thing, didn't see it, didn't hear anything about it. So to the left side of the formation, Ohio State with no timeouts left. The clock had stopped because it was first down inside two minutes in new college football rules. They run up. I want to say there was three or four seconds left on the clock, and they ran a running play, which was actually brilliant in that moment because everybody's expecting you to throw it because you don't have any timeouts. Um, But when they did run to the left side of the formation, Notre Dame did not have a down lineman. There was nobody there, and it's because they only had 10 guys on the field. So Kyle McCord, um, did he sneak it in or did the running back sneak it in? The running back. Yeah, running back. Chip Chip Trainium, uh, one-yard touchdown run with literally no time left or one second left to cap off a 15-play, 65-yard drive to win the game. So Notre Dame, that hurt for them. Uh, Just just gut-punching defeat. Oh, yeah. The faces, the Sam Hartman face, uh, and then to cap it all off, Ryan Day, freaking screaming about Lou Holtz directly after the game in one of the most bizarre post-game coach interviews I've ever seen. I will say for all Georgia fans who listen to this podcast, the fact that Ryan Day got that pissed off about what Lou Holtz said on the Pat McAfee podcast, 
I guess Ryan Day now has taken his attention off the Javon Bullard hit to Marvin Harrison Jr. in last year's Peach Bowl to now having to talk about Lou Holtz for the next year. It is ridiculous. This guy, I don't even know how to describe it. It, just interesting to say the least, Jake. I, look, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, from the perspective of me, I'm getting ready to play the Buffalo Bills the next morning. I'm in my hotel room watching the game by myself. Ohio State wins the game. And then Ryan Day off the top rope. Uh, <laughs> I mean, can't believe what Lou Holtz said about these guys. Screaming. Team. Screaming. This is for Ohio. Oh Ohio God. versus the world. Catherine Tappan was like, what is going on here? So then, got to figure out what Lou Holt said, right? I mean, this has to be some just some just uh, personal attack, just hatred. Yes, like like hatred, pure right? hatred. Yeah, it's just, it has to be really bad. And no, I, I can't say it really was. It, it just Lou Holt's just saying that. Hey, when they get beat, it's because they they get out physical, and so. I wish I don't think is entirely wrong. I don't think that's a, a bold stance to take. No. You know, that, that's not that's not a crazy line to to, to you know to uh, tote there. So I I don't know, but I, it was a little bizarre, and I wasn't quite ready for it. To be quite honest with you, the research department is telling me that Lou Holtz is eighty six years old. Okay, he's eighty six, and he was on the Pat McAfee show, and that's exactly what he said. Jake, you're right. I don't even know who he was talking to on the Pat McAfee show. But he says, and he's talking about the teams that Ohio State has lost to in recent years, Michigan twice, Georgia last year. Um, I can't forget Clemson. the other team, Clemson. Clemson one year. And he says when they lose these games, it's because they lose in the trenches. They get out physical. That's all he said. So for Ryan Day to take that, internalize it, obviously any coach would use that in the locker room. You're going to do that. Yeah. But after yeah. the game, to just – torch Lou Holtz in the moment it, it to me it shows insecurity first and foremost uh second you would have thought because we just said that's one of the best games of the season that he would have been like unbelievable game so proud of my guys what a comeback what a fight what a Notre Dame's got great competitors you know we're he he went the complete opposite way I don't even know what else to say about it completely bizarre behavior by Ryan Day. Yeah. I mean Ohio against the world. <laughs> That's so funny to me. Yeah. It took me by surprise. Could have mentioned you know 10 guys on the field. I don't know. I, they were up there a tough team when they when they only beat uh, Notre Dame with 10 guys. So very tough there. Quote, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. With what he said about our team, I cannot believe this is a tough team. We're proud to be from Ohio. It's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. He's trying, you know what he, you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to pull a card out of uh, Kirby's playbook, you know, where hey, it's it's us versus everybody. Yeah, you guys reverse are, rat poison. Uh, that's it, the reverse rat poison. So oh, man. hey, try it, see if it works. Absolutely. Try it, see if it works. Uh, you know, it does work is no. if you go to Solomon Brothers Jewelers and you mention punt and pass or Drew or Jake, you can get 10% off a jewelry purchase. They have two amazing locations. One's in Alpharetta, just past the Avalon. The other's in Buckhead, 17th floor, Tower Place. Custom jewelry designs, lifetime diamond upgrades, beautiful stores with amazing service. They also offer interest-free financing options if you got a big purchase coming up for the holidays, maybe a special life moment, maybe an engagement. Head on over to Solomon Brothers.
mention punt and pass. You can get 10% off your jewelry purchase at Solomon Brothers on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all right, finishing things up, Georgia. They moved to 4-0, four straight home games for the Dogs yeah. to open up the season, 49-21 to over UAB. Thought the offense opened it up a little bit, Jake. Brock Bowers got activated, throwing dudes off of him, uh, and they head to Auburn next week. Uh, before this past Saturday, I was a little nervous about Auburn game. I watched Auburn play Texas A&M. I'm not so nervous anymore. Uh, Auburn did not look good. Um, and, you know, Hugh Freeze is the kind of coach right now in his first year to say, look, we don't have the guys right now. You know, we don't have the talent. We'll get there. We're fighting. Um, I know Auburn's close to you with your brother being there. I texted you. I was like, can your brother slide out the tackle? Because their offensive line was having some serious issues on Saturday. Um, quick little recap of the Georgia game, 49-21. Carson continuing to be extremely efficient. Felt like Coach Bobo got in his bag a little bit as well. Defense needs to get healthy. Uh, and the SEC schedule, it's here, man, starting this week. Yeah, I mean, the SEC schedule is coming. They're going to get truly tested uh, here in the coming weeks. Uh, I mean, but all in all, I mean, they took care of business. I mean, probably don't want to give up 21 points to UAB, but I think Dilfer and his team had a great offensive plan. They did some good stuff scheme-wise. Uh, got some guys open. Uh, and those guys played hard too. So, but um, I mean, it was just good to see the offense rolling a little bit. Uh, just did some really good things. Had some guys wide open. Yes, uh, that so Arian some, Smith so, drop that sucked yeah. the life out of Sanford. I was there. It was a great atmosphere. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. uh, evening in Athens. Uh, and Carson hit him in yeah. stride for a walk-in touchdown. And Arian just dropped it. I mean, who can you blame there? It's certainly not Carson's fault. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think if they just kind of minimize the the shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak, uh, they're close. They're really close to really opening this, opening this thing up and, and firing it all cylinders. So um, just keep on keeping on. I mean, they're they're there. I just think we need to get in the meat of the schedule and find out who who this team really is, because I, I think they're still searching for it, too. Uh, we'll find out soon enough. Absolutely. And when you say clean it up, you know, three turnovers last weekend against an inferior team like UAB, uh, that can certainly come bite, come back to bite you in a hostile environment oh, yeah. next weekend in Auburn. But Carson Beck, 22 of 32, 338 and three touchdowns. Dejan Edwards, 12 yeah, carries. Yeah, Carson played 60, great. Yeah, 12 carries, 66 yards, two touchdowns. Brock Bowers, nine catches, 121 yards and two touchdowns. That's what we wanted to see. It's what we both said on Thursday's podcast. Right. Get out to a big league. Take those guys off the field in the third quarter. Start getting focused for Auburn. That's it. That's it. I mean, and you kind of mentioned it too just a, a second ago. Worried about Auburn a little bit and then watch the uh, Auburn versus Texas A&M game. They don't have a quarterback. And that's not Peyton Thorne. Then they get Robbie Ashford in there to run it around. He He's scared I mean, to throw the ball. Throw yeah. Then the third string guy got in there too on Saturday. I was like, what is going on? Now their defense, their defense gets physical. They're just no. on the field. They're on the yeah. field too much. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, they had plenty of opportunities in that game to keep it close. Uh, A&M's quarterback got hurt, and comes Max Johnson. I mean, he he comes in and plays well. Yeah. Um, throws a touchdown off the post, but just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if they can have a good uh, scheme and a good plan uh, playing at home against the dogs. But this one this one could get, could uh, get pretty ugly pretty quick if they don't have a guy who's who can be back there and throw the ball. You're right. Uh, reports are saying that Lad McConkey is going to start practicing today. It's Monday, so that would nice. be great to see if he can get in there uh, and get some action against Auburn. He has been an Auburn killer the past couple of years. Lad's had some huge games against the Tigers. I know Carson Beck would certainly be excited for that. Michael Williams, 
who did not play last weekend due to illness. He should be back. Um, and Javon Buller getting closer. He has set out the last two games. So, you know, through no faults of their own, Georgia's schedule has been awful uh, the first four games of the season. It gave them a great opportunity to try and get healthier, but it is a long laundry list of injuries that this team's having to deal with, but they're 4-0. Um, and it looks like they're starting to find their identity on offense. Now, we'll break it and down. And run the ball better. Which is highly important, especially coming up this weekend. Yep. We'll break it down on Thursday's podcast. 3.30 game at Auburn. Kind of bummed Auburn lost to AM. I thought this would have been yeah. a huge atmosphere if both were undefeated. It still will be a big atmosphere. But if the game gets put into Carson's hands early on Saturday, and Auburn's defensive line, which has some dudes, and Auburn has athletes on their defense. Uh, if they're nutting up and stopping Georgia's run, it'll, I'm just going to say it, it'll get interesting. Georgia's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Look, I don't disagree. They've started slow at home, Yeah, arguably, the last four weeks. How slow are they going to start on the road for Carson's first road test, really? Yeah. Tell me about it, uh, crowd noise for Carson, first road start. It's going to be loud as shit in there. Dude, what do they, you do? What do you do leading up to to that game? Yeah, gotta gotta figure out the communication process. Uh, get the silent count going. Practice it all week long. Obviously, uh, Kirby will have the uh, crowd noise Blaring. cranked up to a thousand inside the indoor. So they'll they'll work through all that. Uh, everybody's ears will be ringing on offense, and they'll just hear the crowd noise from practice just be rolling in their mind uh, all throughout the day. So it, that's how loud it is. It is insane. But um, I, I think they'll be good. I, I th- honestly, I, just just from a standpoint of just, just being on the road, man, sometimes being on the road is really fun because you get to go into a hostile environment. It's just us on the sideline. Absolutely. Nobody cares about us, and you just get to go and, and quiet the whole place. So, man, if you got to score on the first drive, that's huge. Uh, to really take the crowd out of it early. Huge. Man, when uh, when Auburn kicks off and they, if they kick the ball at the back of the end zone and you're starting that first drive with the student section right there behind you, dude, it can get pretty, pretty loud there uh, at Jordan-Hare. So just be ready for it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that, that is one of the best atmospheres, I think. I mean, again, it's unfortunate we never got to play in the swamp. Tennessee's a lot of fun when that place is rocking. LSU's crazy as shit. Everybody knows that. Uh, but Auburn, it's just different there. It's different. Yeah. Um, 2010, we were going there. They were ranked number one, I think, or number two in the country. And this is when Cam Newton was going through all of his um, investigation. So it was like unknown if he was going to be playing or not. So I go out there super early to start warming up, punting, student section, 100% packed, 100% packed an hour and a half before the game. And who do you think comes running out of the Auburn locker room? Cam Newton, and they were freaking going nuts. We started off really well. That's the game where uh, Nick Fairley almost decapitated Aaron Murray. Um, That game got insane. But we started off really well. I think we might have been leading at half or right in it at halftime, and then they just smoked us in the second half. But look, 2010 Georgia team, if you were a fan of the six and seven dogs in 2010, you know, wear it with pride because these are the glory days, okay? These are the glory days. Oh, that's good stuff. Absolutely. All right. Well, week four is in the book. Week five, we'll be back on Thursday with another episode of Punt and Pass. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Drew Butler. He's at From Jake, puntandpass.com. And of course, head on over to Solomon Brothers Jewelers. Two amazing locations, one in Alpharetta just past the Avalon, 
The other in Buckhead's 17th floor tower place. Solomon Brothers has the largest diamond and jewelry inventory in the Southeast. The store is for anyone with any budget. And I'm glad I just caught myself because I've got to give you the Solomon Brothers big watch of the week Mm -hmm. for week five in college football. I would have been so mad at myself. I'm saving. I'm saving it for the end of this episode. Yeah, it's going to be Georgia versus Auburn, 330 SEC on CBS. Carson Beck's first road start. Hugh Freeze hung it on Kirby in 2016 as the head coach at Ole Miss. So there is a lot of storylines at play here. Can the dogs keep their win streak going? They're still number one in the country. Can Auburn play? Spoiler, this is your Solomon Brothers Big Watch of the Week. And right after that game, you can catch me on Atlanta News First SEC wrap-up show. I'll be on your TV so that. Nice. will be fun, my friends. Anything on the way out, brother? No, for those of you listening, have a great week. Fall is in the air. It is here. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Excellent. We will talk to you on Thursday. See you. We out. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.